You are listening to the Mill Sunday School Podcast. You can turn to this passage, Hebrews chapter 12. Give you a chance to actually turn there in your own Bibles, whether it's an electronic or a paper Bible. Turn there. We're in the habit of not putting the scriptures on the screen to encourage you to find the text yourself, become familiar with picking up your own Bible, finding things, and reading along. We think that's really, 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 really important around here. So do it. Hebrews chapter 12. I'm going to read verses 1 through 3. And this is right after the famous Hebrews chapter 11, which is the hall of faith, if you know that passage. It talks about all these Old Testament characters that were awesome and had faith, and they were in the hall of faith. And then verse uh, 1 of chapter 12 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Who are those clouds of witnesses? Well, the people, the Christians, the believers in God that went before us. And I'm going to say that, you know, since we're here studying church history, we could say that, well, you know, the, the idea that Christians and people of faith came after Jesus and after the Bible was canonized, well, then they also, too, would be part of this great cloud of witnesses, if I was to take that uh, liberally there. So Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorn and its shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Let's pray this morning. God, as we come before you, we pray and and thank you for these examples in church history of these great saints and people of faith that we can look at and learn from. And Lord, as we also look at church history and see some of the mistakes of of the church, God, would you allow us uh, as new lifers, as Christians in 2014, to learn from some of those things. We have people all over Colorado Springs in this information age that uh, don't have it right, have information wrong about you and about your ways and about your church. So Lord, empower us this morning. Open our hearts and minds that we might be your witnesses and your believers here in 2014. So we love you and we praise you, Jesus. And everyone shouted, amen. amen. And amen means so be it, or it is true. So you're just agreeing with me. So let me talk about, uh, I'm going to give you an, an analogy that might be a little silly, but it's something you're going to remember. So it's basically this idea of Maybe we as Protestants, and we're Protestants, if you're a new lifer, if you're uh, um, a non-Catholic Christian, then you're probably a Protestant Christian. Um, And so here's some things that represent uh, the Catholic Church. And I grew up Catholic, so um, maybe some of these things would represent the Pope there, Mary, the, the, the Rosary. And we might ask ourselves as Protestants, when did the Catholic Church you know, when did it get the axe? When did we win? And when did the Catholic Church lose? And so here we are studying church history. We talked about the Reformation and when it started. And, and so you could ask yourselves that question. It's like, yeah, we're, we're Protestants. We're, we're the champs. We're the winners. Catholic Church is the losers. When did we win and the Catholic Church lose? So I have an analogy that I will get set up for you. It should be kind of fun. Um, huh. 
It's a little, little tarp to protect some stuff. And then I have this to set something on. Okay. This represents the Catholic Church in this analogy. It's a jar. It has some things in it. I'll talk about what those things are in just a second. And so when it's time, we'll get this bad boy out. <laughs> and we'll maybe ask the question, when did the Catholic Church get the axe? Sound like a fun analogy? Anything that involves a little danger is usually a little fun, you know? Anytime the phrase safety first has to be uh, said, you know it's going to be a little bit of fun. So anyways, I will do that analogy. Famous names like Cortez, Coronado, the famous for the cities of gold, also famous for the high school on Fillmore. Anybody? Anybody? Yeah, there we go. There's a couple um, <laughs> Coronado people. Uh, Ponce de Leon, Balboa, De Soto, all famous conquistadors, all coming for the three G's. And if you took uh, some history in third and fourth grade, what are the three G's that they came for? Gold, glory, and God, or the reverse order, God, glory, and gold, the three G's. So we think about God, of course, coming from Spain and Portugal. They were very, very, very Catholic. In fact, there's a saying at this time of church history that Spain was more Catholic than Rome. I don't know how that could actually be. It's an exaggeration, but Spain was very Catholic. And so these Spanish Catholic conquistadors come to the New World, and part of what they do is to bring the message of God. And specifically, like the Mayans had this belief in human sacrifices, that human blood being spilt for their gods would bring the gods happiness. And so you can imagine this message of the conquistadors, this very powerful, true, beautiful message that God shed his blood for us instead of we have to shed our bloods to appease the gods. God himself, the God of the Bible, God of Jesus himself shed his blood for us. It's a beautiful message that I imagine the Mayans maybe got, maybe didn't. Um, but anyways, uh, one of the guys, uh, well, we'll get to this the, the guy in a second. So God first, and then uh, glory, all these stories coming back from Spain uh, to Spain and Portugal of, of this, uh, the adventures that happen, the exploration that happens for God, for the glory of course, for the gold, a very rich land of resources, this new world, specifically South America and the Caribbean, lots of resources, lots of gold, and people like the conquistadors pillaging the gold and the resources that they found. And when this guy, this next guy, um, I'm only going to talk about one conquistador. This one's kind of quintessential of a lot of the conquistadors. So he will do for getting into the story of the specifics of what the conquistadors did. When this guy was eight years old, Hernando Cortez, seven or eight, he heard the story of Columbus sailing the ocean blue in 1492. But for him, that just happened eight years ago. And so he, or happened when he was eight. Um, and so I don't know what you thought about when you were eight years old, maybe it was Superman or Superwoman or Batman or an astronaut, but Hernando Cortez and lots of Spanish little boys heard these stories, these legendary stories of Columbus sailing and finding a new land and colonizing this, you know, this, all these ideas of exploration and gold and glory and bringing the message of the gospel. And so Hernando Cortez hears those stories and wants to become 
a conquistador and move and colonize uh, the new world. And so when he's 18 years old, he, he sails on a ship to what is today Cuba. He lands. He's given a plot of land to farm because that's what you went over there for, for the land and for to colonize, to live, to take over. And so he's given a plot of land. It's interesting, you might find this very interesting, that the Pope declared the new lands uh, like the Spanish territory and you could just go get your land. It's like, what business did the Pope have giving away land that wasn't his? But anyways, he did. And, and so Hernando Cortez and many other people go to the New World and receive their land. So he becomes a farmer for a little while. And he grows in stature. He grows uh, in leadership amongst the other uh, early, early colonists of what is today Cuba. He gains uh, some favor and he, and uh, let's see, I have 11 ships. He gets together 11 ships, 500 other men that want to go with him, and 13 horses, and they sail from Cuba to Mexico, and they start raiding and pillaging uh, what is today Mexico. It's an interesting story that they, right when they land, there was some mutiny. If you know what mutiny is, it's when someone uh, comes up and kind of goes against you and what you're saying as a leader. And so Hernando Cortez kills that guy, the ringleader, and he famously uh, dis- destroys or takes apart the boats, saying, we're going to go conquer. We're not going home. <laughs> Let's do this. And he goes into the land. Here's, here's some information about this guy that I find kind of interesting. A military man, but never trained in the military, a d- devout man of faith. He went to mass. That's the Catholic Church weekly. He cried when he repented of his sins. He read the Bible every day. Just kind of, that's, that's cool. He read the Bible every day. I wonder how many of us read the Bible. Anybody read the Bible? Like, so let's say from January 1st to today, you haven't missed a day. You've read the Bible every single day. Oh, sweet. Quite a few hands. I was only hoping one, and I got like a couple. So really cool. It's something about the, the discipline. It's something about... Um, faith and, and continuing on in the Word every day and making that a habit. So anyways, Cortez reads the Bible every day. So you think, oh, he's a great guy. He's a great Christian guy. But on the same, in the same guy with this devout faith was this guy who was very greedy, also a murderer, uh, also a womanizer, was given uh, by a native chief, a slave girl, took her as his mistress and had other women as well. And so on the same side of this faithful man was also this very unrighteous, greed-driven man that wanted to conquer. And the good, well, he, he did bring with him missionaries and priests, but the bad, the way in which he conquered, was horrible. Thieving, um, taking advantage of people, murder, rape, bad trades happening, bringing smallpox. Um, the good, he did bring the message of Christ. And so I'm going to lend us to this time of discussion where it's like, well, what happens when you have the message of truth being delivered, but it comes with the way it's delivered is so horrible? What do we do about that? Well, um, lots of conquistadors conquered, go into what is today the United States, but the United States didn't exist yet. If you ever go to Santa Fe, make sure you visit this church. This church is the oldest church in what is today the United States, um, being uh, built around 1610 in Santa Fe, New Mexico. And this is one of the churches, one of the many churches built 
uh, in the early years of the exploration and colonization of South America and into North America, of course, where this one is in Santa Fe. Um, Cortez didn't get this far, but other conquerors would. And they spread, along with war and taking over resources, they spread the gospel. And here's some more about um, maybe the disgusting way in which they brought the gospel, or at least brought themselves, and then the gospel came with it. Here's a picture of something that uh, Bartholomew de las Casas tells us about, that when um, the people, the natives, were killed, they were often killed in, in groups of 13. Why? Well, to represent each one of the 12 apostles and then one for Jesus it's like, well, that's just brutal. Why would, they, why, would, why would you do that? Why would you bring them into that? Um, Las Casas, a famous bishop, a Catholic a bishop uh, in, in uh, the south of Mexico, was known as the defender of the Indians, the protector of the Indians. I have a quote by him on the back of the paper. And he brought to light, brought back to Spain, and wrote about some of the horrible, horrible things that were happening in the name of Christianity, in the name of the conquistadors, uh, he writes about this. He says, the goal, the main goal of the divine providence in allowing the discovery of these tribal lands is this. So, we got to discover these lands. The main purpose, the main thing, the main goal should be the conversion and the well-being of the souls. And to this goal, everything temporal must necessarily uh, be subordinated and be directed. So, why are we stealing their gold and then telling them about Jesus. Why are, they, why are we, uh, as conquistadors, making them our slaves and then telling them about the freedom that can be had in Christ? That should not be. Our first goal should be the, the well-being and the message of Christ to these people who have never heard it. So I want to give you the discussion question. It's easy to point our fingers back in church history a couple hundred years ago and say, oh, the conquistadors such bad people, such bad guys. We're the good guys. We always bring the message with, you know, grace and love and truth, and we never bring the message in a wrong way. We never make a deal with God and say, oh, God, you know, I, I want this, but I'll get it in a bad way. Um, let me point the direction, let me point the discussion to this. If a message is still true, oh, is a message still true if delivered in a horribly untrue way? Is the message still true if delivered in a horribly untrue way? You could think about the conquistadors. They brought the message of Jesus, but the way in which they did it, I mean, all of you, many of you raised your hands when I said, you know, conquistadors, are they good guys or bad guys? Oh, they're bad guys. They're kind of known for the, the mockery of what they did and, and how they brought the message of truth. You could think about um, today's example. Uh, I thought of um, maybe the Westboro Baptist Church. They're bringing some message of truth, they believe in Jesus, to people, but the way in which they do it just brings so much hatred and towards God and towards these people. So is a message still true if delivered in a horribly untrue way? I'll give you like two minutes to discuss that at your table. Um, ready? Get set. Discuss. God. When I, when I walked around, I heard some great things being said. I wonder if anyone would be able to share... Uh, with all of us. I see a couple of hands. Yes, sir. Thank you. So to answer the question on the board, is the message still true if it's delivered in a horribly untrue way? The message is fact. It is truth no matter who is delivering it. 
Now, as for the conquistadors, it wasn't the man or the people who were giving the good news. This, in spite of their horrible things, their rapes, their murders, God in his grace allowed people to hear of him and bring people to him. So these men, you know, they, men will always do wrong. They will always harm each other. And women. And men, humankind. There we go. Humankind. But God in his grace allows people to come through. Yeah, so it's the message. So he said... uh, very wise thing. Despite the message, it is, it is despite the, sorry, despite the way in which the message was delivered, it is, the message is still true. Good. I think I saw a hand over here. Yes. It's Haley, right? Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Um, I just think that, like, we were talking in our table, and we were talking about how, like, things are, like, spoken through love. Yeah. And how, like, the message, it's like there's no condemnation through the cross. Mm-hmm. And, like, just when the message is spoken in a condemning or, like, in a way that the conquistadors did it, I do believe that it's, like, getting twisted in a different way. Yeah, so how, so almost asking the question, how could this be true if it's being delivered in such a horrible way? What truth is left if the way is so horrible? Yeah, good. Yes, Miss Zoe, and then I'll, I'll come up for Desiree. So we were, well, that was loud. So we were discussing how um, he brought up a really good example of mm-hmm. the leaven. Um, when you have, even if you have truth, if you have um, good ingredients to make a good, a good truth, a good bread, a good food, yeah. um, if it's brought in with this negative thing, this harmful thing, then it ruins the bread itself. The leaven spreads throughout it and it's no longer usable. Um, yeah. So, and I, and I think a good example of this would be um, the passage of scripture. It talks about how faith works by love, and if the motivation isn't love, then you're essentially um, damaging that truth's ability to reach people. Yeah, good. So this, like, like the leaven example, if something, if a piece of something that is untrue or a lie creeps into this bigger thing of truth, well, then maybe the whole thing could get distorted. Miss Desiree. Um, well, we were talking about how. Um, you kind of have to read the Bible as a whole. You can't pick and choose what truth in the Bible um, because then it's no longer the truth. It's your truth. And I think any time that you take a piece of something um, out of its context or out of its um, how it all works together, it loses its ability to be a universal truth and it becomes your truth, not a fundamental yeah. truth of what we believe. Good. Yeah, thank you. I want to share, to, to conclude, I want to share uh, a story of when I first um, kind of, I guess, spoke this message. Ten years ago, uh, we started the Mill Sunday School uh, in August. It'll be ten years, and we've gone through, we've, for some reason, we, we got early on in Sunday School uh, did this thing where we do month topics, and it's just stuck. And a long time ago, right around 2006, we were in a church history series. So if you were around way back then in 2006, lots of years ago, many of you were probably in middle school, um, we were doing at Sunday school a church history lesson. And uh, I want to, I guess, share a story about that. This story is kind of, um, um, I guess, personal or just kind of hard, maybe a little hard to share, but New Life Back in 2006, uh, our, the, sen- the founding senior, senior pastor at New Life was a guy by the name of Ted Haggard. And if you know anything about New Life and its history, you know that there was a shooting here on campus. Maybe that's news to you uh, in 2009. Is that right? And then, and then years before that, another horrible thing happened. And our senior pastor, the founding pastor, was caught in scandal 
And someone in Denver was accusing him of there was prostitution in the accusations, there was drug use in the accusation. And I remember hearing about it and just laughing. Oh, it's not true. That's impossible. Uh, and then turns out, like it came, the news kind of came out on a Monday, and it kind of came out on a Tuesday. By by Wednesday, um, it was like um, what well, Ted was saying that yes, some of these accusations are true, and he's stepping down from his roles. And it was just like the world, my world, fell apart. And all that I knew of this, our, our great leader was, well, there was scandal there. And, and anyways, on November 5th, 2006, so that's the Sunday after the news broke. The news kind of broke Monday, Tuesday of this scandal. Um, and the, the accuser made himself known and was accusing Ted Haggard of these things. And then on that Sunday, there was like does anybody was anybody here? That's a, it's a couple of hands. I was, it was quite a few years ago. That Sunday was a really hard Sunday. It was like a church meeting, a family meeting. Basically, the elders and the overseers came to our service. They read a letter from Ted Haggard uh, apologizing, and and so what were we going to do with Sunday school that day? Um, here it was, November fifth, two thousand six. What should we do? Should we still have Sunday school? Well, we ultimately decided, yeah, we'll still do Sunday school. At that time, it was over in the Tag Chapel, and there was like maybe like half, like a quarter of the people that are here now were there, maybe like 25 or so people were there, and that's how big Sunday school was. was, And so it was, yes, we'll still do Sunday school. Yes, I guess we'll just stay on topic. The topic happened to be church history, and we were talking that day about what we talked about today, the conquistadors. And I made this analogy or this comparison, I guess, that was at least helpful for me in my mind. And I said, the conquistadors, their name, the name conquistadors has kind of been, you know, that name has been tainted. The name conquistador, when you think conquistador, you think of kind of bad guys. Um, But the work that they did, uh, the fruit of God that they did bring over, and so much of what they brought over was bad, but they did bring some fruit that was good and godly in the message of Christ. And that message, and, and by the way, South America is overwhelmingly Christian, Catholic. The Pope, uh, today's Pope Francis, actually came from South America. Uh, Argentina is where he's from. It's like the, the Pope today came from there. It's overwhelmingly Christian as a continent, South America, and into North America. And it's mainly because of the message of Christ, the true message of Christ that was brought by these people called the conquistadors. And the way it was brought, well, there's a lot of bad there. Um, And so I made this comparison. I said, the name conquistadors has been ruined, but the true fruit, the good fruit that is godly that they did bring over lasted to today. And I made this comparison. I said, well, maybe years from now, we will look back at this and say, well, maybe Ted's name has been tainted. When you think Ted Haggard, maybe what you think is, oh, this, the scandal that, that he was involved in. But the fruit, the true fruit, the godly fruit years ago when Pastor Ted Haggard and, and many others started New Life Church, that has remained. I mean, here we are sitting in this building, and I can't help but think, you know, we're re- remodeling the building today and thinking, you know, back to like when this building was built in 97, 98, um, and thinking about like the foundations of which God Himself established, those are still here. We're still talking about the Bible. We're still worshiping the same God, despite uh, there was there was scandal, despite the how the how of of many of the things that the conquistadors did, 
Um, so I made that comparison, and I, I think back to you know, how it applies today, and I think maybe there's something to be said about the name the conquistadors has been tarnished, but God still worked through them despite the ways in which they sinned in order to bring the message. So I don't know if that makes a lot of sense to you. In my mind, it, it gives me just this bigger picture of God's ways and God's church will be here forever. So let's go before the Lord in prayer. And God, we come to you and we want to please you with our ways. God, we, um, the way in which we do things, the way in which we do life, Lord, let that please you. Let us um, come before you and, and the things that we say, allow them to be true. The things that we do, allow them to be true. And, and God, today specifically, we pray that the way in which we do them, that that be um, pleasing to you and let it be true. You're a good God and we worship you. We praise your holy name. And everybody said, amen. All right, friends, uh, go in peace. As a reminder, uh, we won't see you for two weeks. Next week and the week after, we're, we're canceling for reasons we already said. But uh, go in peace and peace out. Blessings. Thank you for listening to the Mill Sunday School podcast. You can find more information at www.themillonline.org.